Stewart swings, launches one, deep right field. Is it going to be fair? It is It. Up the right center field gap. Soler can't get to it. Candelario being waved home. The Tigers have tied it up. Kristen Stewart wears a crown again. Back up the middle. That'll drop. Castellanos will trot home. Tigers lead at 3-1. Kristen Stewart, another RBI. To center. Goodrum hustles in and dives and makes the catch. What a way to cap an outstanding defensive display by the Tigers today. Man, oh man, these 2019 Tigers are something else. You know, I came into the year assuming I'd be hunting for a way to make 12-4 losses sound interesting. And that may still happen. It, it probably will still happen. But wow, what an entertaining first 10 games. Uh, the Tigers are on a five-game winning streak after sweeping away the Royals. And I'll break it all down for you today and answer a few questions on Locked on Tigers. It is Monday, April 8th, 2019, and I'm your host, Chris Brown. Before we start, I, uh, as always, I want to remind you to please download, rate, and review the show, Locked on Tigers, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the new app, Himalaya. And of course, when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play the podcast, Locked on Tigers. So yeah, I hope everyone had an awesome weekend. The uh, weather here in Southeast Michigan was about as good as it's been so far this spring. Saturday was absolutely beautiful. So we might as well start there with that baseball game, with the Tigers' 7-4 win over Kansas City. Now, early on, it looked like another one of those one-run wins where nobody gets any hits and normally I start talking about the pitching but we'll switch it up a bit in this one because the pitching we have to deal with some more stuff uh, later so yeah starting the second inning Nico Goodrum leads off the second with a single then a one-out walk from Stewart and a two-out walk from Griner and then Nico scores on a an error by the first baseman kind of it just seems like this is how their season has been going so far they they managed to get on base and then score some runs through uh, you know mistakes by the other team so it's one nothing until the fifth when Castellanos hits a hustle double, you know, it's between the left fielder and center fielder, and he just kind of legs it out. And then right after that, Miggy with a first pitch, just screaming liner past the shortstop. So it's 2 nothing. Things kind of fall apart <laughs> on the pitching side, I'll talk about in a minute. But, uh, yeah, the Tigers find themselves down 4-2 in the seventh. But then it starts off with a Jordy Mercer bloop to right behind first base, I guess. Uh, and then uh, Josh Harrison gets hit in the bum with the pitch. So there's two men on. Castellanos with an RBI single to center field. And then Cabrera singles again right after. It looks like this real rally, but, you know, Alex Gordon, one of the best uh, throwing outfielders in baseball the last decade or so, he, he throws a perfect strike to nail Josh Harrison at home plate. So it looks like maybe the rally's dying, but that was just the first out. So then Nico Goodham flew out, so there's two outs. But one thing this team has proven that they can do in at least a couple spots is, is really fight you. And Jamer Candelario had a long at bat for a walk. And then Kristen Stewart comes up and with bases loaded, gets works himself to a 2-2 count, and boom, Grand slam down the right field line. Hits the foul pole. Uh, that made it 7-4, and it was just enough to win. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, they, they're just finding ways to do it. So let's go back to the pitching now. And Matt Moore got the start. He was second start as a Tiger, and he looked solid again. He was touching 94 with his fastball again and mo- mixing it in his cutter and curve and change. It was it was nice. He looked a lot like he did in his first start against the Blue Jays. He had three, three of the seven balls that hit in play against him were hit harder than 90 miles per hour. And only one was really well hit. It was uh, like 110 miles an hour to center field. But in Comerica, you can get away with that, and it was an out. But, yeah, he retired the first eight batters he faced in order uh, before Billy Hamilton bunt led to an infield single when Moore slid to grab it, and he, he bobbled it and, and then tried to throw him out at first and threw it away. So Hamilton got to second. And that was a fateful pitch because Moore apparently was injured on that play, injured his knee. He, he pitched to one more batter through a fastball. His next pitch was 88 miles per hour, which was the slowest pitch of slowest fastball of the day. So... 
looking in hindsight, it was like, okay, something's wrong. And he threw, a, I think, a curveball and got a bounce at her first. And then when he was running towards first, you could see it really bothered him. So, yeah, that's uh, he, he had to leave the game. So in comes Daniel Norris, which is it's kind of nice. Hey, you've got this guy for long relief. He's a left-hander, and he can step right into the rotation if you need him. And he comes in for the second out of the season. He looked solid the first time through the order, too, mostly locating the fastball to the edges. Threw a ton of fastballs, not much in the way of sliders or change-ups. And the fastball is only sitting around 91 Got up to 92, I think. Then he left a 92-mile-an-hour fastball, middle-middle, to Whit Merrifield, and he hit it, I don't know, 400 feet. So it's 2-1 at that point, and that, that extended Whit Merrifield's uh, hitting streak to 27 games, so good for him. Uh, and then Norris got a couple more deep fly ball outs. So it was it was looking a little sketchy. And then next uh, first pitch in the next inning, I believe, Jorge Soler took one right down the middle at 90 and hit it about 400 feet as well. And so... He gave up a hit to the next guy after that and then got yanked. So Gardenhire wanted to stretch him out a bit, presumably because, hey, we might need this guy to take over for more now. And it didn't work terribly well. Nine balls in play. All nine were hit harder than 90 miles per hour, and seven were 99 miles per hour and above. So that's a little bit iffy. So they bring in Victor Alcantara. He comes in. There's a stolen base. He gets a a strikeout on a a pretty nasty two-seamer, and then he tries to throw it again to Hunter Dozier. It's 94 miles an hour, and it's breaking into the batter on the inside corner, and the dude turns on it and hits it 435 feet. It was just a bomb. So it was, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes the hitter gets you. But so that that put the Royals up four to two. But then we talk about that beginning with Christian Stewart's uh, grand slam. So it's seven four now, and Joe Jimenez comes in, gives up a hit, but does his job. And then Shane Green comes in for uh, a one two three ninth for his sixth save and six chances. So yeah, it was it was altogether all a nice comeback, impressive win on Saturday night. And afterward, you get uh, Matt Moore to the injured list. Uh, Norris gets moved to the rotation, and Drew Verhagen just uh, just in time comes off the IL and moves into the bullpen. So it sounds like if Moore hadn't been injured, we probably would have seen Norris go down to Toledo to make room for Verhagen, but uh, now it worked out in that way. And it sounds like this could be a long-term thing. They're talking about surgery as a potential option for Moore, which is uh, kind of surprising. It didn't look that bad, but I guess, you know, you can never tell. Uh, and so it looks like uh, this is kind of hard hard to believe, considering Matt Moore was the worst or one of the two or three worst starters in baseball last year, but looks like Daniel Norris might be a downgrade from him. It's only been 10 innings, but uh, Norris doesn't look great and more looked good. So, yeah, I don't know. Norris will get his chances to start, at least a few starts, but I'm not terribly confident. So beyond that, let's move on to Sunday. Tyson Ross goes seven innings of one-run ball with just five hits and a walk while striking out eight. It was his longest outing since last June and his highest strikeout total since last May. Just tons of ground balls. That's what he does. Six of the 16 balls uh, he put, were put in play were above 90 miles an hour, so 10 weren't. That's pretty good. And the story yesterday was his slider. It was uh, outstanding. He threw more sliders and fastballs, which is good. You know what? Slider's his best pitch. Throw that more often. And all eight of his strikeouts came on his slider, and he struck out five of the last six batters he faced. It was really a very strong ending. Now, he did get a bit of help from his defense, though, particularly in the fifth inning. Kansas City's backup catcher, Cam Gallagher, hit a sharp liner to right center field, but Nico Goodrum, who's playing center field, went out there, cut it off, spun, and threw a strike to second base to cut him down while he was trying for a double. Uh, the replay looked a little iffy to me, but the Royals didn't challenge, so here we are. Uh, and then Bill, Billy Hamilton, who's kind of a thorn in their side this series, uh, he had an infield single next, and then he tried to steal second base, but John Hicks made an absolutely perfect throw to second to cut him down. And to understand how impressive that is, Hamilton is still one of the fastest players in baseball, one of the few who, who sprints at more than 30 feet per second. 
And since he started playing full-time in 2014, he has 265 steals, which leads all of baseball in that time. So, yeah, Ross completes seven innings, and then it's Joe Jimenez time. And at this point, the Tigers are up 3-1. to one. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, Jimenez has been a little iffy so far this year. You know, had that one game where he gave up the three-run homer. You know, he gets into a little bit of trouble in this one, too. He gives up a single to Billy Hamilton, and then he gives up another single to Whit Merrifield. So it's first and third, go-ahead runs coming to plate. And then the defense shines again, and this time it's Hicks throwing out Merrifield trying to steal. And again, that's really impressive. Merrifield led all of baseball last year with 45 steals. So two cheers for John freaking Hicks on defense. Who knew? Jimenez gets out of it, and in comes Shane Green again, striking out Alex Gordon and Jorge Soler to start the inning. Uh, but then he gives up a walk, and so once again, you get the tying run coming to the plate, and he gives up a, a sharp liner to center field, although it's, it looks like it's right where center fielder should be, except Nico Goodrum is playing in Highland Park at this point because they're trying to keep anything from getting over their head. And he gets a late read on the ball, but he makes up for it, sprints, and makes a fine diving catch to end the game and give the Tigers a five-game winning streak and help Shane Green set a new Major League Baseball record with seven saves in his team's first ten games. I, yeah, I don't really know what to say, man. They only had one five-game winning streak last year, so they've already matched that. And they've only scored 27 runs so far and allowed 26, which suggests they should be 5-5, five and five, but it's definitely been fun for sure. So now I have to be realistic about this and remind everyone that just two years ago the Tigers started out 7-3 and three in 2017. Uh, now, that team had out been, been outscored 49-44, to 44, but again, it wasn't, I mean, that's a difference of a few runs, and they ended up going 12-12 and 12 in April, and they never had another winning month, and I'm not predicting that's going to happen here, but I'm just saying people should be prepared for harder times ahead. Speaking of harder times ahead, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no talking to a pharmacist, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And wouldn't you know it, I actually have a real live Blue Chew testimonial here from someone named Gibby, so let's hear that. (laughs) That's a three-year Johnson. Well, sweet. And since there's no game today, I have time to answer a couple Lister questions, so I appreciate you guys writing these in. The first one comes from Steve Cook, who says, What's the story behind Norris's velocity loss? Everything is 90 to 91. He's a soft-tossing lefty at 25. Is this an organization thing? Norris, Fado, and Fulmer before the surgery seem strange that guys 23 to 26 are losing 3 to 5 miles per hour like that. Thanks. Uh, so, yeah, thanks, Steve. So the first thing we have to talk about with Norris is this isn't really a bug. It's a feature of him. It's something that's dogged him since he was drafted. He was very highly touted, but he came out uh, in his first in his draft year and got absolutely murdered in rookie ball. It was the, like the sort of numbers that would have gotten a mid-round college pitcher who didn't get a big bonus cut. It was like a 10, 11 ERA in 35 innings. And his mechanics were all out of whack. He was thrown across his body and he couldn't be consistent. But he made some adjustments the next year. His numbers were still rough, but th- there were improvements. And then his third year, he really put it all together and rocketed to the majors from A-ball 
But what have we seen in the majors? We've seen inconsistency. There was, even in that first year when he came over in uh, 2015, I remember there was there were back-to-back starts. One start was, I think, against the Red Sox, and his fastball sat at 92. And then the very next start, it was sitting at 95. And that was like five days later. So it's just it's just one of those things with Norris. So you go on Brooks Baseball, which is a, a good baseball site online, and you could see his vertical and horizontal release points, and they're all over the place. And you could see last year... Uh, at the same time last year, he was releasing the ball nearly a foot higher than he is now. Uh, now, that might just have been because he was trying to compensate for the injury that he had, but the point remains, you know, he tankers a lot, and he is inconsistent. But certainly, the injuries have been a huge factor. You don't uh, have you know groin surgery and stuff like that and necessarily come back 100%. Like we said, he's got a chance now. He's, he's going to be in the rotation. He's going to get a bunch of starts, and he'll either have to find an extra tick or two of his velocity, or he's going to figure out how to get people out at 98 to 91. Uh, as for the second part of your question, I don't think it's an organization thing. With Fulmer, you have a very obvious injury that caused the lower velocity. Uh, and with Norris, it's probably injuries too. And with Fado, that might be, it might be an uh, organization thing, but it's a different way. It's, it's probably more of a scouting thing. Sometimes you see this with college pitchers and high school pitchers who only throw once every seven days. Then once they get into pro ball, they, they just don't have the strength and velocity after adjusting to pitching every five days, that increased workload. And it particularly seems common among pitchers who aren't overly athletic, which is kind of the case with Fado. So thanks, Steve. And then listener Scott brought in a question. Uh, he said, should we really be rooting for losses when it's so much more complex than other sports with the journey from the draft? Every one of these currently rostered players' successes is another asset that can be turned into something which seems more tangible than a higher draft pick who may or may not develop value over a five-year period. It can mean more draft picks and more chances of success. Can't bad mean bad and good mean good? Please answer this in the form of outdated rap lyrics. So, Scott, bad can mean bad, and good can mean good, but sometimes bad can mean good, and at least once bad meant bigger endeavor. It's all very confusing. But you ask a very good question, and I think it gets to the heart of a lot of the issues with the Tigers' current rebuild strategy. Uh, first, you're right. Baseball, the baseball draft is much more complex than any other sports. You don't ever go into baseball draft looking at the number one overall pick as a truly franchise-altering player, the way you do in football and basketball. And even when you get that potential generation talent, there's no guarantee they're the best players in the draft. Like Steven Strasburg and, and Bryce Harper are both great players, but Washington didn't win anything with them, really. And in both drafts, there were more productive players taken a little bit later. Uh, Mike Trout went 24 picks after Steven Strasburg in 2009. And in 2010, uh, Manny Machado and Chris Sale have both been more productive than Bryce Harper. So, But yeah, tanking for the number one overall pick isn't a great strategy, although there are monetary issues that come into play that aren't there in other sports. You know, you get a, a, a set amount of money for having these picks, and the higher you pick, the more money you get. And generally speaking, that means the more you can get a little creative and end up with a little bit more talent than you would normally just picking by best player available. But then there's also some issues with your statement, Scott, that not every one of these current players can be viewed as an asset, really. <laughs> the, the salary implications are huge, and we spent two off-seasons learning that teams just want nothing to do with aging players anymore. Like, Miguel Cabrera could go out and hit 400 with 40 home runs, and, and teams would be like, yeah, I don't know, he's kind of old. Yeah, he's kind of expensive. So... Realistically, the Tigers have very few potential assets anymore. You've got Matthew Boyd and Nick Castellanos and Shane Green, and that's about it. There's a small group uh, who you could grow into value. Nico Goodrum, Jamer Candelario, Kristen Stewart, Joe Jimenez, and, and you could trade them. But there are guys who are young enough that you might want to think about building around them and might also want to just let them build their value. 
But the rest of the players on the roster, they're, they're either cost too much or they're too old or they just aren't any good. So and since you can't trade for draft picks, you, you're left trading for another team's kind of fringe prospects with any of these guys. So, yeah, and the, to bring it back to the problem with the Tigers being focused on the draft with their rebuild, you've really got to nail your picks. But you've also got to get talent from other avenues. And that's the part we just haven't seen much from the Tigers. Like, they, we always compare them to the Cubs and the Astros, the teams that bottom out. They had some good drafts for sure, but they also went out and made a lot of smart trades and they did well in the international market, and they found pitchers who were undervalued. Like, the Cubs got Kyle Hendricks from the Rangers when he was still in the minors for Ryan Dempster, and then they got Jake Arrieta from the Orioles for Steve Clevenger and Scott Feldman. You know, they identified something that they could do with these pitchers, and they fixed them, and suddenly became huge parts of a championship team. And the Astros were, like, one of the first teams to get in on the spin rate, and so they were out trading for players like Colin McHugh, who was just a nondescript player, or Chris Davinsky, and they were all, you know, these guys have been huge parts of their their teams the last few years and then they also were scouting at the lowest levels when other teams sometimes wouldn't even scout at the complex league like the rookie ball so that's how the Astros ended up with David Polino and Francis Martez who aren't necessarily you know tearing up the pro ball but they became highly touted top 100 prospects that they were able to use as assets so you got to find other avenues and that's what we really haven't seen from the Tigers yet. I mean, Nico Goodrum looks like a promising find as a you know, just a minor league free agent. And who knows, maybe Tyson Ross and Matt Moore, uh, if he can come back, are on their way to a career revival that the Tigers have somehow engineered. But I'm skeptical. And sometimes you just have to be smarter than other teams, and there isn't any evidence yet that the Tigers are smarter than anyone, unfortunately. So that's my answer. And that's the show for today. I appreciate everyone listening, as usual. And I remind you to please... Rate and review the shows on your favorite podcast platforms. And uh, yeah, tune in tomorrow. There will be no game to break down and discuss, but that means we can look around the rest of baseball for a little bit, and I'll try to get a, a preview of the upcoming series the Indians done. So, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, send me comments, please, at uh, LockedOnTigers at Gmail or at LockedOnTigers on Twitter. And everybody have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.